politics has never been stranger or more online, which is why the politics team at Wired is making a new show, Wired Politics Lab. It's all about how to navigate the endless stream of news and information and what to look out for. Each week on the show, we'll dig into far-right platforms, AI chatbots, influencer campaigns, and so much more. Wired Politics Lab launches Thursday, April 11th. Follow the show wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Adam! Are you okay? Oh, poor fellow. Hey, someone pat him on the back. Hey, Travis. Yes? How are you? Uh, better than Adam. Not you, Travis. Oh. Adam, you sound like you're dying. No, it's just my new way of saying... I <laughs> see my name fills you with such glee that you 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 vote you choke. I I am I am overwhelmed by excitement. I am the little hair on the back of my neck are not standing up through the fear. They are tap dancing with joy. Phenomenal. That makes for an odd mental image. I like to think of Adam tap dancing. Imagine if you were like Jiminy Cricket with a little cane. Or imagine if you were like Tom Cruise in Maverick. Oh, flying those jet planes. The guy, the little short guy who who is a Scientologist. Who had the biggest movie of his entire career. Well... 97% Rotten Tomatoes, 99% audience approval. Does that mean that it was 97% rotten? No, it means it was 97% unbelievably, awesomely, skittledacious, exciting, beyond all comprehension. Really? Yes, sir. All right, whatever. Do you know who this Tom Cruise guy is, Tom? Uh, what's your name? Travis? Uh, yeah, I can't say I'm familiar. No, I've, n- I've never heard of him either. That's why um, I'm so excited dealing with extremely contemporary superstars of podcasting, Travis and Bo. You know, you can say what you like, but I just watched The Seven Samurai, and uh, I was perfectly uh, thrilled by it. And then Travis told me that it actually was the best movie ever made. So this Top Gun Maverick can't be. Unless Toshiro Mufune was in a cockpit, which would probably be a pretty fun movie. That would be awesome, actually. Wait, he was in a Torah, 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 I think, right? Yes, he was. What's going on in the news this week? Well, there are a couple of things. The uh, Goodwill ransomware has been making a lot of headlines. I it's love sort of that. Tech. Yeah. I love that. If you're going to do something bad, at least make it good. Right. Yeah. They. Uh, yeah. They lock up your data and then uh, try to make <laughs> sure that, or they, they get you to uh, commit 
kind and charitable acts to get it back. What was the nature of the good deeds folks had to do in order to get their data back? You need to donate money and clothes to the poor, and then you need to furnish proof. I love when he uses verbs like furnish, Adam. Provide. Again, I bet you there's a one-syllable word that would do it, too. Give. Ah. Throw. Ah, I would throw. I throw (laughs) this information at you. Give me my data back. I will toss you the money. And I will ask you, as I fling my camera toward you, to (laughs) press the shutter. We always, that's my favorite game with you, is fling the camera. Fling the camera. (laughs) Dunk. What what do we think? Is this a good hacker? Is this the Glinda hacker? Or is this a uh, a, a head just being a head in a new and slightly more annoying way? I think the latter. Hmm. Yeah, there is no such thing as a a good hack. And there is no such thing as a good person who does a good hack unless they are doing something for the benefit of society, like stopping a war, crimping the other side when it comes to the enemy. We don't like hackers no matter what they're doing and we I wouldn't we, I wouldn't go that far. I mean there's some things of uh, some examples of hacktivism I think are fine. Um but I think one of the things about this is the, their goals sound like it's supposed to be lofty and it just sounds kind of silly. Like they're from their notice what they said is once all three activities are completed the victim should also write a note on social media on, quote, how you transformed yourself into a kind human being by becoming a victim of a ransomware called Goodwill. But was it was it ransomware as a service, too? Uh, I'm not sure. We don't really know yet. So it might have been like a bunch of hippies living in the top of a redwood tree who decided... By the way, if you are a hippie living in the top of a redwood tree and somehow you have enough electricity, well, you could have a solar panel. Anyway, to listen to this show, awesome for listening to the show. Rate and review, totally. And also... You can do better than the stupid goodwill ransom as a service, uh, ransomware as a service attack. It's sort of lame. Yeah, it's like the patchouli of ransomware. <laughs> Welcome to What the Hack, a show about hackers, scammers, and the people they go after. I'm Adam, Cyber Black Cat. I'm Bo, Cyber Scaredy Cat. And I'm Travis, Cyber Battle Cat. <laughs> <laughs> And today we continue Hope's story of cyber-stalking. If you haven't heard the first part, go back and listen to Hope's Hacker Husband Turns Out the Lights, part one. And a warning again, we talk about stalking in this episode, so if that's a sensitive topic for you, you might want to skip this episode. Let's talk about weight loss. Most of us have been there, struggling with the ups and downs. You lose some weight, then it creeps back. But forget those endless cycles of juice cleanses, soup diets, and the latest fad workouts. There's a better way. The Rope Body Program pairs a weekly weight loss shot with a real lifestyle change so you can lose weight and actually keep it off. Need support? Rose got you covered every step of the way. And guess what? You can do it all from the comfort of your own home. No more doctor's appointments, no more waiting rooms. It's that simple. Ready to take charge of your weight? 
head over to row.co slash Adam to sign up today. Average weight loss is 15 to 20% in a year. That's with healthy lifestyle changes. BMI and other eligibility criteria apply. Go to row.co slash Adam. Sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 after that. Medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash A-D-A-M. So here's the deal. I use Yahoo Finance. I use it to make money because it works, not just because they're a sponsor of the show. Heck, I've been using them for years before they ever called to become a sponsor. I do a lot of investing, and I need to make split-second financial decisions, and that's where Yahoo Finance comes in. I trade stocks, and I trade options, and you can't trade them in a vacuum. You've got to know what's going on. Yahoo Finance gives you the opportunity to look at the whole picture. I mean, breaking news, editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts. I love the customizable charts. They have it all. At Yahoo Finance, I'm part of a community of over 90 million users. You heard me. 90 million folks use Yahoo Finance because they're helping you on your way to financial success. Visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination. That's yahoofinance.com, yahoofinance.com. When we left off, Hope's home had seemingly turned against her. Her techie husband had wired the whole house to be controlled by his phone. When they were on better terms, this never even presented itself as an issue. But now that their hostilities had escalated and her relationship with Bob had disintegrated, Hope found herself at home with all of her lights and technology shut off remotely. With only a landline working, she called the police. And it was in that instance that this was a third person telling me, maybe it's time to get a protective order. Maybe there's, it's time to put some physical space between the two of you. That I finally said, you know what, it's time. Because in context of having children in the home, that they do not need to see this. They do not need to take part in this. They do not need to be affected directly by this. And I just thought it's, it's time. It's really time. But for doing that, for making that choice, all hell broke loose. What was the nature of the surveillance? I mean, just throw a dart out there and I'm pretty sure that you'll hit it. So in the beginning, give us an instance. Um, I go to download an app and it's sending the uh, the approval to his phone and I'm an adult. Okay. Hmm. All right. So your accounts are you're on an you're on a family Apple account. Yes. Like. And at the time, you know, it made sense economies of scale. But even beyond that, like my bank accounts that had been my sole accounts prior to marriage and even my business accounts, the emails were being sent to him, not me. And I'm going Okay. Yes. This is a really great example. At least this part of the story is a great example of the way a lot of identity theft happens. Absolutely. A hundred percent. Which is someone in, someone who's close to you who can get into your stuff. Yeah. Well they, they know everything they know everything about you. They know your passwords. They Absolutely. They know your accounts. They know your social security and, number. Yeah. And good luck filing a report with the identity theft people at the government because they're like, well, you know, they can do that. And they're not concerned with this stuff. And they don't really understand, like, like this is the other piece of it. Like, financial abuse occurs in night up to like 99% of abusive relationships. And for the most part, domestic violence is 
it's very, very arbitrary. It's, it's very subjective and it has to be recognized and it has to be um, in the context of something that is criminal. The problem with that is financial abuse is about numbers and banking and things like that. And it's all tracked. Every, every transaction has a, has a transaction ID and it has a date and has a timestamp on it. So it's very, very finite and easy to prove, but they don't take the time to do that. And so you can continue to harass someone for a very long time if they don't pick up on the other side of it. When you go in, if you look at the statutes where I live, you can actually find where someone does not have the right. Like if you, if, like your internet provider comes in and they set you up or even like a, a you know network admin in like an office, they set you up, they put you on online and they leave. They're not, they're not supposed to come back in and take your account and log back in again and again. And it would be the same for spouses, particularly where businesses are concerned because there were businesses. And so, but those boundaries were crossed. And unless someone is familiar with the laws and how they're set up, there's statute saying that you cannot do that. And that would be whether you were a partnership or even like a familial relationship, like a parent-child. But because the laws don't understand that and the statutes are spread out throughout, you know, through state and federal law, if you're not familiar with the nuances, you're not going to pick up on it. And that's basically what happened. I think one thing, uh, just to go back to, uh, to get a little more into the nuts and bolts, when you say that he um, started having the you know information sent from your account to his email, did he actually change the email address on your accounts or did he set it up that he was also being forwarded things that were coming through to you? So was it invisible or was it right. something you could see in the settings? It was both. So that's something where, you know, obviously if he changes the, um, the email address on the account, that is just pretty much a blatant uh, act of locking you out of an account. But if you put something on there, it's just a little bit of like a forwarder that uh, well, maybe a seat that he has himself CC'd. On right. Exactly. Set up an email rule or something, which is harder to see unless you're really looking for it. Correct. So a, um, the name on like notifications I was receiving changed from mine to his, and they were my accounts, my sole mm. accounts, some were community accounts, some were, like my business accounts, which was jarring. And then it switched to, you know, I found, and this was a catalyst for me to leave the relationship. I discovered an email forward set up for my business mail that I was unaware of because I wow. was not receiving mail from my mail provider. And it was a paid mail provider. And at that point, when I figured it out, I thought it was just a fluke that something was wrong. Maybe there was an outage and then realized that there was a filter set up. And there were, you know, it was just being rerouted and then ultimately lost access completely to my mail. Wow. Um, and did that lose you a lot of business? Um, in that case, in that case, it was a different email account. It wasn't business related, but I did miss mm -hmm. notices that were um, important to being an autonomous adult every day, like paying your bills or, you know, being aware and informed of what's going on in your, in your life and in your world. Well, that could, that could negatively impact your credit. Uh, if you don't know, you know, when your billing date is and you don't get the notice, Boom. which, which is designed to make you more reliant on, on him. You hit the nail on the head. Okay, so this sounds super fun. Are you, at this point, living together, and so he also has access to your stuff, or have you stopped living together? We are not living together. We are in separate places. Um, we we had stuff, I mean, like the, the places that we had were, were both um, jointly owned, and 
there were things that were mine that needed to be mine. And there were things that his that needed to be his and there were, everything was kind of spread out all over the place, but no, we were not together. And that was by choice. And I had to seek uh, court intervention to make it be that way. But the kids, the kids are going between the houses. Yeah. Yes. And that's the paradox is that when you have situations where, um, you know, one parent might be um, potentially harming another parent, the courts are very paradoxical in the sense that they say the kids are just completely separate. Everything is in a vacuum. So you might have one partner that is um, perpetrating violence against another partner. And the way they treat the kids is completely separate. Like there's no crossover. It's inconceivable to the courts that if a parent is harming another parent, that they could also be harming the children because we have to give everybody the benefit of the doubt. So in terms of this, when you were uh, living separately, uh, did you notice the surveillance or the sort of the multiple types of intrusion? And uh, it sounds like outright sabotage. Uh, did that continue? Absolutely. Got worse. Got worse? How so? After I left the relationship, after I put the boundaries in place, I actually found I was being surveilled to the point where there's a camera in my home in a place that I would have a reasonable expectation of privacy and images of me that I would rather have not been seen because I didn't think that I would I would display them in public were recorded and distributed against my wishes and without my consent. Wow. What kind of camera? Like a little, like a lipstick camera. So he had created a bespoke security system in your house? Was this to keep you from getting robbed? Or how, or, it sounds like he took, um, uh, well, to, to the, in the regular way of putting it, he took nudes or something. Um, I mean, he, he, they weren't nude, but I was not dressed. And I was definitely not in a, uh -huh. in, in a state that I would want people to see me, you know, you know at work. Or personally, or family. Yeah. And mm -hmm. it, but did you know there was a camera where this took place, or was the camera hidden? The camera in this case was hidden, but there were other cameras utilized oh. that were very, very day-to-day -day cameras that I wouldn't have thought okay. anything about. Okay. How did you find out about the hidden camera? The hidden camera I found because of my sense of paranoia, and I'm not a paranoid person, I'm a very aware person. I'm, again, from a city in the Northeast where if I said it, you'd go, aha, and that's just the way we are. But I was very aware of my situation. So a paranoid city. <laughs> Springfield, Massachusetts. <laughs> of course. And I just... <laughs> I got to a point where I just, you know, something is off and I don't trust this. There seems to be a whole lot of knowledge about me that I don't really understand. And so I, I went looking and one day I was kind of looking around and I thought, I, I found this thing, something was out of place and I grabbed it and it was hanging um, in a spot that I, I would not have suspected and found this, this camera and yanked it out and was then like, you know, when, you, when you're being surveilled and it's in the context of law enforcement, you know, you're, you're found like the jig is up. But when the context of, a, of an, a, an abusive relationship, when you're found, often the violence escalates because now they know that you're aware of what they're doing and it, it actually makes things worse. And that's, that's pretty much what happened. This spring, get out there, enjoy the weather and recapture the magic of riding a bike with 
electric e-bike. With an amazing variety of models built for riders of all abilities, it's never been easier to fall in love with riding again. Plus, every electric e-bike ships free and only requires quick, toolless assembly. This is my first ever e-bike, and the experience has just been great. I was a little bit intimidated at first because I hadn't gone biking in a while, but the 500-watt motor that the electric e-bike comes with really gives you a nice little boost, especially if you're trying to go uphill or pick up some speed. Data shows that e-bike riders take their bike out more often. That means... You get more exercise, more exploration, and wait for it, fresh air. And riding an e-bike isn't like, it's not cheating. It's just making it possible for you to be out there longer on each ride. And speaking of things going a little slower, you can finance electric e-bike for as little as $49 a month. Get into spring with electric e-bikes, the number one selling e-bikes in the nation. Get your adventure started at electricebikes.com. And please mention that What the Hack with Adam Levin sent you in the post-checkout survey. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C ebikes dot com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. And so how did it get worse from there? Well, um, let's see. The images that were recorded that I was not happy about were sent to attorneys, to court um, experts, to... I'm not really sure who all has seen them. In fact, I think that at some point, maybe a friend a friend of his was documented as having seen them. So I don't really know who. And really... In conversations, I had to go back through, um, you know, text messages and stuff we had because now I'm able to do this, but realized that there were instances where he's saying he's got lots of pictures of me. And in those cases, you know, when you're in a consenting adult relationship and it's secure and there's trust or there was trust, you tend to um, to do things that because you feel like what are the chances of this happening? And unfortunately for me, you know, when you, you find out alternately that your, your partner is not who you thought they were. It became now, I'm like, oh my God, I'm really vulnerable. And so he's telling me, I've got lots of pictures of you. And in hindsight, going back and looking at the pictures, I'm going, oh my God. He'd gone through my photos, you know, my hidden photos in my cloud. And he'd taken pictures of me, some that I knew about, some I did not know about. And I'm going, oh my God, I need to get those. And even still to this day, I'm still fighting for them because I don't really know what all is there. I know I don't have access to it and their possession, you know, they're of my likeness. And and the case law actually is in my favor because you've got like the girls do porn case and, and all that stuff where for, like there's being there's restitution being awarded to victims. Um, they're they're being forced to give up all rights to these pictures, um, you know, sites, providers, disseminators or distributors, rather, they lose access to those things. But in the context of my situation, none of that was applicable because no one really thought it was a big deal and no one really cared. I think 
one thing about the uh, camera itself, especially if you found it in your uh, closet, um, is that something, it, does that mean that he would have needed to have had physical access to your closet? Or could that have been something that was sort of carried over from uh, back when you were living in the same place? Um, I'll put it this way. Um, the discovery of that camera was shortly before we stopped being in the same place and he was actually not supposed to be anywhere near me. And so either there's there's nothing good that's going to come out of it because either he put it in there before and I didn't know about it or he came in after the fact when he wasn't supposed to be there and put it in. Neither one is a good scenario. Now, are you experiencing from this point, sounds to me like a form of sextortion almost. Um, what is the tenor of all of this? Why is Bob cyber-stalking Hope the way that Bob is doing this? It just sounds, it sounds unhinged. Well, that's just it. And I think that there's a reason that we no longer refer to this stuff as revenge porn. We call it non-consensual porn because revenge doesn't have to be you know, a thing. It could just be doing it to harass someone, to embarrass them, to ridicule them. You know, my father has seen me naked and it was because of him. But okay, there could be another reason too. And that is the all seeing, all knowing, there's no place for you to hide from me. Know that I am with you wherever you are. I will always know what you're doing. I mean, it, it, it could, it, beyond sextortion, this is, this is emotional blackmail. And intimidation. And, and control. It's, it's the Wizard I, of Oz. Yep. It's the ever-present, omnipresent, like Oz knows everything, and Oz, you can't, you can't hide Oz. And so, therefore, I had to learn, and this is where I, I started becoming very, very um, willing to help myself and fight back. The day that I figured it out, if I just kept that little file that I had, um, you know, to like to keep my stuff on my system, like on my desktop, because I didn't have a safe desktop. And so I had my desktop and I hid it and, and it was kind of tucked in a place where I didn't believe it would be found. Um, I then started going 100% the other direction. Okay, well, if you're going to do this, you know, like my passwords became like four letter words and like, you know, f off. excuse me, excuse my French, but just like, like, if we're going to do this, then I'm going to go back and we're going to really go all in. And I, that's that I didn't have any other choice. It was like, you know, the jig is up. I I know, you know, that I I can see what you're doing. And so if we're going to go there, then let's let's really just let's dance on that. Were you able to get Bob out of your stuff at this point? I mean, if you know, were you able to get him to stop looking at at your documents and uh, I include in that, I assume there must have been some documents, whether or not you were married, regarding your state of no longer cohabiting and having kids together. I mean, I got him out to an extent, um, but it took a long time to eradicate him, per se, because when you're when you're in a relationship that's a long term relationship, it's more than just, you know, a phone password or a email password. It's. It's, you know, it's banking, it's children, it's devices, it's security systems, it's, you know, home automation, it's everything. And then beyond that, you know, you, you think about all these, these little individual bits of information, but then I think the big thing for me that kept me vulnerable was integrations. 
And I, I ended up having to, at one point, because I replaced all my devices, I had to abandon all of my prior um, apps and shared things with this person. Um, I had to replace them all and start from scratch, but then realize that the integrations were giving me away. So I'd have to go back to my roadmap and go, okay, well, I did this, 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 and this, but it's the, like weird things are still happening. So, oh, wait, wait, like, how are these connected? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is connected through this other app here. I gave permission on this thing. So if I'm going to change this password here, I need to change it simultaneously with these four other ones to make sure that it's done all in succession so there's no backdoor in. Well, but this is where you could bring in a professional. They're not cheap. No. But you bring in a professional organization and they literally do a sweep of yep. your home. Uh, um, no, I, I, I tried it all. It didn't work. Um, and I mean, it got to the point where even my scale betrayed me. And that's a very low tech tool, but I had a friend, um, you know, like a friend of a friend, a friend introduced me, and this was someone who'd experienced the same thing and had, you know, been married to a spouse. They'd had actually a software company together and she basically set me up and put malware bytes on my, um, on my devices for me to help me kind of, you know, weed out some of the, uh, some of the back doors. And it was very, very challenging to, to keep going in day in, day out and function with all this stuff going on and not really know where it was all coming from. But, you know, the high level people, um, you know, they, they didn't really want to get involved. And so I ended up doing a lot of my own, you know, like Google University type stuff um, to, to learn as much as I could because it didn't really exist in one collated um, central repository. You know, um, I think that because a lot of this stuff is going to be like developer end stuff. It's not going to be for someone that's an end user like me. They're not, it's not going to show up in the context of this and, and they kind of leave the lowest common denominator stuff available. Readily. Well, so tra Travis, just for the sake of listeners, can you explain to um, explain what a Mahlerbyte is? Uh, Malwarebytes is a um, security software, like anti-malware uh, that's made to look for um, unwanted or uh, otherwise unseen programs or apps. Oh. My God, I heard the composer, Mahler, and Byte, and I was like, I don't know what the hell she's talking about. Um, I happen to have malware bytes on my computer. Now, um, so not that it's the best or the only, but that's what I use. You know, um, some, some Beethoven fans thought that Mahler bites, but that's another story. Ooh. I going to go out on a limb here, Hope. I have a very low-tech, kind of low-tech actually, um, spyware-ish answer for why you're continuing to get hacked by somebody who should, by all rights, have no way to get in anymore because you're being careful. You want to hear what it is? Oh, for it. Shoot. Do we have a choice? <laughs> you have no choice. Now, I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Um, but I think that it's possible that the vector of attack is your children and the way that whatever code or situation or hard or software attack that's happening in your world, it's happening through something that's traveling between your homes and it's hard to say because obviously I don't want you to confiscate your children's <laughs> stuff. But, um, you know, Travis and I were talking about this earlier. And, you know, there's 
even a charger cord that has been known to have enough uh, power to, to hack into your system. Right, Travis? Uh, it intercepts data, so it can uh, take, it can uh, log your keystrokes, it can uh, download uh, any information. It's sort of the ultimate man in the middle. And it's the, the size of the actual thing that plugs into your, the USB-C, mm-hmm. the USB-C plug. Yeah, and you can buy it online. So, so there's, it's quite possible since chargers are, I know with my own children, chargers are more, uh, more valuable than rubies. Mm-hmm. Um, they, you know, so if they can grab a couple chargers so they don't have to bring a charger around with them, they will always do that. Um, and they're grown. It's pretty weird. But at any rate, <laughs> that would be one way. Um, Travis, do you have some other thoughts as to how Hope may still be getting targeted? Yeah, well, um, um, if they happen to be on your Wi-Fi and that Wi-Fi password is saved to their devices, all Bob would need to do is take a look at what the oh, Wi-Fi brother. network name is and then the password. What about if What about if in the proceedings of Bob and Hope no longer liking each other, um, there were some documents. Could Bob put something in a document that Hope has to read that would be infecting yeah you could uh you can pass malware through um microsoft office uh, documents are one of the preferred ways to do it but you can do it through a pdf really i mean you can just have a uh, unwanted passenger on any number of uh, just basic <sighs> files that would be part of a separation or if you're sending over you know bills or even just you know standard emails and documents all right. Well, then it sounds to me, Adam, that you have to like. It sounds I don't intend to ever uh, not be with my partner, but it sounds to me like if it ever does happen, I would be smart to get a brand new computer and log in at the library to do all of my breaking up related business so that it was completely isolated from all my other business. I mean, is there some way to avoid? I don't, I don't think I would log in at the library per se, but. Through a VPN. You know, <laughs> but yeah, the, but I think, you know, the other thing too is, is it possible that Bob has had access to your communications with counsel, because I assume you've retained counsel on this, uh, in your separation or divorce proceedings, whatever they may be, that he's also anticipating certain things that you may or may not be doing. I throw that in there as... Oh, to cheat. So it's just to be a spy. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm, um, I mean, it's probable. I mean, I, I, in the very beginning, did get on new devices, kind of sensing this. My a sibling is, um, is, is aware and savvy enough and actually um, uh, has a fair amount of knowledge about this stuff. And... So, you know, started to started to change things immediately. And, you know, things like um, instead of using the little charger bases, uh, you install like the walls that have the USB or USC ports in them to kind of avoid that. And I, you know, stay clear of their stuff um, and use only my own um, chargers and no one gets on my Wi-Fi. Um, the devices don't, which is a very, very unpopular um, rule around my CASA. Did you replace your router? I did. It was all brand new out of the box. Wow. So when you've got, you know, new devices, new email addresses, new phone numbers, new phones, new everything, and it still happens and you're going, where did I go wrong? What did I miss? And that's where... Did you, when, when you replaced your router, did you 
change the password on the router? Well, let's put it this way. I didn't replace the router that we had. I remember I got a whole new internet line. And so I had to keep the old devices on the old network and the new devices on the new network. And we didn't cross them because it would have been, you know, like it would have revealed, it would have revealed everything. And so the new, the new, the new line had its own brand new router, brand new modem, brand new devices, and there was not any crossover. And, you know, different names, different password balls, different manufacturers of things just to create that separation. And there was no link. There's no direct link to me. Um, and it still didn't prevent what would happen. So, like, you know, during the pandemic, when um, it's like everybody's home and working on stuff and the Internet would get slow. And you go, oh, well, it kind of sucks. Like, you know, you expect that to happen. But at some point it got really, really, really slow. And I'm now calling the ISP to come out and investigate. And they're looking at their equipment outside of my house with their line and going, yeah, it works just great. And you run it back into my house and it was the same. And I'd reset the password and it would be fine again. And so now I'm trying to like detect new devices that are on the network that have somehow toggled along, even though none of the old legacy devices were ever allowed on. And even like friends and friends, and friends no one was really allowed on that network. And really, it's like by the end of it, let's face it, nobody wanted to be on my network. Nobody wanted, like I became very, very unpopular because it was really creepy stuff. And people were like, I don't want any of that. I, like, this is just too complicated. I, I don't want to deal with this stuff. You know, the the, um, the the little people are like, they're just pissed. They're like, it's all weird. I don't really care about it. Like, I don't even want to come anymore. This is like spy versus spy. <laughs> or like sure, a digital sure. version of bed bugs. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Yeah. 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 <laughs> It is, but like I was not the I was not the like the super good spy. I was like the sucky spy. I was I was spy enough to like still be a spy, but not a very good one. I think one thing I would uh, take a look at is to also see. I mean, I, I'm assuming you're using an iPhone, and then if you're using an iPhone, to uh, check to see if it's jailbroken. Yeah, um, and by that. jailbreaking, what that mean? The yeah, city files, okay. looking to see if the city is installed, and um, yeah, yeah, did all that. I mean, like, I'm going to, I'm going to go a step further. She's so Um, good. (laughs) um, I did do all that stuff. I remember calling Apple and they didn't really take me seriously. And I'm like, you know, I'm like, all these things are happening. And they're like, well, we just don't know. And I'm like, do you really not know? Is it that you're like, I've got low level support enough, or do you really just, you're telling me you don't know when you guys are really going back to your developers and you're now going back and going, okay, she just found something like, and I'm thinking like, I need to get paid a bounty for this. But in reality, as I'm learning to (laughs) dig through my system files, I'm going, holy crap, you know, here's a password export file. Like that's what I'm finding Hmm. in my system logs of all this stuff. And I'm going, how on earth, would anybody experiencing this that is not willing to go to the lengths that I have find this stuff, you know, like that's, right. that's some next level stuff. And so as I went through, I was like, you know what, nothing is off the table here. And I had to go back and, it's, and, and treat everything and everyone as a potential vulnerability until I could absolutely confirm that that wasn't the case. Now, Hope, did you actually, I, I need to really, did you find a passport exporting piece of malware on your phone? And on my phone and my system logs on my desktop, yep. You did. And, yeah. and when was that? Because what I did was I, I ended up exporting all those files off. I had my phone image, or my, my phone, I had my phones and all my devices imaged by a 
additional forensic expert just to keep it all separate from me in case, you know, the malware came back and, and um, destroyed my files. Um, but this was found probably within a month or two after um, a month or two after the separation, like the physical separation. And I think that the the files that I found, they weren't all related to a specific time. In some cases, I don't think I could find the dates, but they went back quite a ways. You know, um, I found, um, and, and this is the funny thing is like, I always tell people like, when you're in this situation, something doesn't seem right, just take a picture, take a snapshot, take a screenshot, whatever it is, and just st- and store it. Because a lot of the stuff I found I, it was there, but it wasn't until way later after I'd learned some things or I found some other context that it became relevant. I would come across it and go, oh my God, this is the answer to that. This is this missing puzzle piece. But at the time when I you know, documented it, I had no explanation for it. I didn't even have an inkling of how it fit into the things. That's so, a great idea to take pictures. It's very smart. Well, it's not even taking pictures. It was like I got a whole separate cloud storage service. And I mean, yeah. I'm telling you, I'm storing something to the effect of like, between six and nine terabytes of data. Because in, in these it's circumstances- all related. Yeah, yeah, I mean like, you know, you can go back and we can exclude, but it's easier to exclude stuff than it is to like need it and not have it. So that's where I started piecing it all together. But I mean, I found, you know, going back years before I'd found, you know, the, the email forward or the filter that I wasn't aware of, I'd found another one a couple years before and it was doing the same thing, but I didn't know what it was. And I'm going, oh my God, you know, here's this. And so now it makes sense. I'm going back in the timeline and going, holy cow, that I've been under the microscope for even longer than I recall. What a just tragic, tragic amount of life upheaval that you're going through because of all this. I mean, the amount of time the amount of investigative work, the amount of, you know, ad- additional work that you're doing while you're trying to have a career. And be a mom. And, and be a mom is totally insane. And date? Yeah. That was like, that was so far off. Like, I just didn't have any wherewithal to do that. I remember thinking, okay, I'll just wait until this blows over and then I will focus on that. And then getting to the point where I'm like, okay, well, so much for that plan, because this is taking far longer than I ever thought. And then getting to a point where, like, finding really nice guys that I like, and they would see me get into a tizzy because I now feel vulnerable and panic when this stuff would happen. And I'm going, but this happened, this happened. They have no idea what I'm talking about. And I'm pissed that they don't know, and they, they don't understand what I'm talking about. They're like, what's wrong with you, you know? And so then it's easier to just get rid of them and just like stay clear and just kind of you know fly below the radar again alone for a while than it is to invite somebody in and try to explain explain it to them because they won't get it no and there are many people in this world that have the attitude that i got enough service going on in my own life i look toward a relationship to be an oasis and you know this is not it and this is not the not the oasis that i'm looking for which is again another horrendous uh, collateral damage impact that you're suffering because of all of this. And for all of you non-Jewish listeners out there, Suris is a word that means... Tumult! I was going to say oi. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'm going to ask you a question, and it's, it, it's towards the question of where the end of the, the, the light at the end of the tunnel is here, Hope. If there is hope. 
And, um, you know, but I have to ask, you say this is ongoing. What sort of things are happening now in your digital life that um, lead you to believe that Bob is still bobbing and weaving and trying to get into your digital life? Well, it's funny because shortly after meeting Adam, um, I sent him in a screenshot um, and it was an alert that I got, a weather alert that went to one device, my phone, and it didn't go to any of the other ones that I have, which, of which there are many in my world, my, my, my Mac world. And it was just to the one device, to no place else, no one else. I was actually um, in the process of communicating with somebody at the time I received it. They didn't receive it. It would have been like a, you know, like a regional type of alert. And there was no explanation for it. And here after all this time, I mean, I've changed since even the, the uh, modem and the router that we talked about that I got. I'm not even using those anymore. In fact, I have a brand new one in the box for the next time that the, my modem doesn't seem to be protecting me. That I'm going to pull it out provision it and keep going just to like not have any downtime you know so do you think you were hacked do you think that that was a hack that somebody was in your phone and something glitched i don't know i I mean let's put it this way it was a I, i mentioned i'm in the southwest and i um know our weather at this time of year is pretty static and it was weather that would be you know very very uncommon but at this point, I can't imagine, like, I'm not saying that you imagined anything, but I can't imagine that you can walk through life right now without just feeling like every moment is perilous online. Uh, I mean, sometimes, yes. I mean, I, I've learned to find solace in nature because there's no, there's no tech there. You know, like, right. you know, after you, you go through being on the watched and surveilled for so long. I mean, I started um, taking all my calls in the backyard and sensitive conversations. I'm like, you know, you're going to need to leave your phone behind, leave your watch behind, leave any any kind of tech you have with you behind. This is just going to be you and me and that's it. So you've become Tony Soprano. Um, I mean, yeah, maybe um, uh, his <laughs> I didn't mean that in a negative way. Yeah, I meant that in a positive yeah, way. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, like, out of necessity though, because I would rather do yeah. that then, then risk, you know, inadvertently, um, you know, giving away more information than I already have. And so it was a small price to pay. And I just happened to like being in nature. So it was like, okay, well, then that's fine. I'll just, I'll just do that. It's almost like you're preparing to either go to a black hat conference or you are, uh, you're, you're getting ready to take a trip to China. These are all the things that people would do in order to cleanse their technological life, in order to be able to go to a place where anything you do, anywhere you go, someone's watching. No, I know. It's like phones off in a Faraday bag, in a safe. (laughs) The question, to put this in context, and it is a terrifying context, to put it in context, how long, how many years has this been going on now? Uh, Close to a decade. Oh, Hmm. my gosh. That's that is that is a remarkably long amount of time. You've got an experience that I think very few people, thank goodness, have. What advice would you give to a person in a similar situation? 
when you feel paranoid, trust your gut because it's really easy for someone to say, oh, you're just being, you're just being whatever. You're just being too cautious. You're being too sensitive. Those are things abusers say. And frequently, I've found that people who've been in similar situations as me are actually very intuitive. They just don't listen to themselves. And so I, I feel like if I'd listened to myself many, many years ago, I would have run screaming for the hills instead of, you know, furthering my relationship. If I had listened, you know, a few, a few less moons before that, I would have run before I got so tangled. But I thought that I was doing the honorable thing. And in the end, it may have been, but I was harmed. And so at some point I was like, in order for me to honor myself, I have to do this and I'm going to do it unapologetically because that's the other thing that these, these abusers do is they make you feel bad for having boundaries. And so you have to have enough conviction to say, this happened and while it sucks, I'm going to move on and people are going to come after me, but that's okay. And at some point you really got to put your, you know, your big girl, your big boy pants on and go, not only is it okay, you, excuse my French, for trying to take that from me because it's my right. It's mine and you can't have it. Do you see a light at the end of the tunnel or is it the headlamp of the oncoming locomotive? Both. It's both. Because, you know, I've had to have frank discussions with um, my family about, you know, if something happens to me, like you're going to have a pretty good idea if something tragic happens about the context. And because I've been, you know, trying to sound the, the alarm bells for so long and no one would listen. If something happens, you take all the money that's going to come from, from my demise and you go after all of these people because I don't want this to happen to anyone else. And then at the same time, live in the moment and go, okay, well, I'm not going to be scared. What I am going to do is try and make sure no one else in the meantime experiences what I have. And I'm going to try and share my story with as many people as I can. So there is awareness because I'm not alone. Like the low level stuff is happening to far more people than are aware and the high level stuff is, is, you know, stuff in movies, but for the most part, anybody can go back and surveil anyone. And in one context, when a police officer showed up at my house to take a report, he goes, yeah, he goes, my ex-girlfriend did the same thing. And he was like, I got chills. So it's very, very, um, it's very, very commonplace. And I think that if you go back and you look at the news from the beginning of this year, when we had the Olympics in China, all of our athletes were being advised to leave their phones at home and buy burners and take them instead. And that's really, really smart. And so anybody going into a divorce, and I would say this, even if you don't think your spouse is is, um, is targeting you or would, would go this route, not a bad idea to have a separate phone because you really don't know who you're with until you until you leave them. about something that people really need to, to listen to and think about. 
And for your vulnerability and your generosity. Yes. So God bless you for the fact that you stood up, that you continue to stand up, and that you're doing the right thing. Again, thank you so much for sharing this experience with us and our, our listeners. exhausted this was really something this this it is just horrendous what hope had to go through and is continuing to go through yeah imagine how she feels i mean you're exhausted she's been 10 years i mean that's i i can't even imagine having that kind of situation and you know i've had experiences with the police uh, with you know cyber related things and uh, they're useless. They really are useless. Travis, is there any particular reason why they're useless? Well, most of the laws in the books and most of the uh, ways that we enforce those laws were really just not meant with cyber in mind, especially not in a domestic situation. Yeah. I mean, you think it's hard enough to prove, um, you know, spousal abuse and the various forms of spousal abuse that occur where they're physical and there's physical evidence. Cyber is just like it does present really difficult problems for the victim and for law enforcement alike. And for the victim, it creates PTSD. I, I think that we, without question, it creates PTSD. And, and, I, and I, you know, we know from all the stories that we hear that it's quite possible that last story, uh, she brought up, which made her approach you in the first place, uh, where there was a glitch in the matrix that she saw, you know, you, you must reach a point where everything has significance and nothing has significance. And you just walk around in a constant state of siege. I think one of the other things that uh, stood out to me here, though, is that with most of the other guests that we've had, with the scammers and the hackers that they've encountered, it hasn't been personal. Um, if someone's trying to, you know, break into your credit or someone's trying to get you in a gift card scam or something like that, they're really just looking for an easy target. And the main advice that we have is, okay, you know, a little bit of extra security will make you a harder target. And then that scammer, that hacker will move on. In this case, if it's someone who is, for them, it's personal, um, it is so much harder to secure yourself digitally. No, I know. It's almost as though this is like... Um you know, the mirror, the black mirror version of a Bruce Willis, you know, in Die Hard, it just will not mm -hmm. stop. And it's right. totally personal. And, um, you know, but the, the, the reality, I think that's a super interesting point because yeah, for most cyber crime, it's nothing personal. Just send me, you know, one Bitcoin and I'll be gone. But, um, this is, um, this is new territory for us. And, um, you know, my data, DAD dash A dash base. My database of jokes is completely empty <laughs> when mm -hmm. it comes to this situation, other than that joke. Um, that it's just there's no there's no comeback to any of this other than um, 
I guess being really grateful that we have this forum to talk about best practices and keep people safe, right? I think um, keeping your device separate, uh, it's something where I think a lot of the, one of the main areas where Hope ran into some difficulty is that she, uh, she was trying to separate her uh, digital life and digital identity um, after the fact. Um, and I think just as a preemptive measure, you should be able to have your own device. You should be able to have an account that no one else, even the people who are closest to you, uh, have access to um, and so on. That just in case you happen to need that at some point, you do have a means of keeping your communications private. Well, this, this is a parallel with what we tell people about credit, is that mm. when people get married, uh, part of it is that they will mingle accounts because everything is, you know, we want to be joint, we want to be in this together. You can also use one person's strength to help another person through like, credit weakness. But at the same point, you still need to define yourself in a career, in a life, and with, with devices. It is very important to have a separate path, not because you're going to use it for sinister reasons, but because it's going to give you an opportunity to be a little bit independent from the other person. And that's, that's a healthy thing. It's not a bad thing. Is that why you keep looking in my phone every two seconds, Adam? Well, I have a device planted on your phone. I've had it for years. I like it. Actually, I talk to it sometimes at night when I'm feeling lonely. I know, and I, and I listen, and it makes me feel better. I feel You're, like we're communicating. We're, we're, you know, bonding. Actually, Kenneth the bear was looking through my phone, and he saw that you had implanted that thing, whatever it is, that makes you listen to me, and um, he cried. He did cry, and then he implanted a second thing, knowing that you found the first thing, just so that we could keep the string going. I hate that cozy bear. He loves you. He's very sweet. Travis. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just sad thinking about a crying bear. What? <laughs> just leave us hanging. You let us like go down the, the primrose path of our imaginary bear friend, and you have to just leave us hanging there. Well, in doing a little bit of uh, prep for this episode, I think one of the things that really uh, stood out to me, speaking of the spy cables and the like, is how easy it is to procure equipment to cyberstalk someone. I know. That stuff should be illegal. It really should be. Like, I mean... It's it's illegal. The it's I don't know. It's like the cyber equivalent of a of a roofie, you know, date dr date drug or whatever you call that stuff. Oh, and we've talked we've talked about this. You know that that we there ought to you know when we say there ought to be a law. Well, the tricky thing too, though, is the fact that with these what they they call them pen testing tools, um, oh, and right. so what they say is that there are legitimate security applications, and there are, but and that but there uh, I think can cover a lot of ground and. Uh, uh, lead to a lot of difficulties for people. Hey, you know, they said the same thing about OxyContin, and there's totally legitimate uses for it, but it <laughs> turned, created a nation of zombies. I don't know. I think, you know, obviously there's a profit motive behind selling these things, and, and where there's a, a, an ability to spy on somebody, there's always going to be somebody who's willing to buy that ability. And it's also, I mean, there's a level of prestige there that if you're the first person to think of something like, hey, I made a, a type of malware that'll still stay on your iPhone because it only makes it look like your iPhone's restarting, that's going to make you kind of a celebrity in the field of uh, cybersecurity and hacking and all that other, other sort of stuff. And it's going to really raise your profile. And I think that's um, one of the things that ends up being tricky is because you'll hear about someone creating something that has really, really, really wide ranging 
malicious uses. Um, but if they do that, if someone uh, comes up with that, then they're you know they're going to be able to book conferences and uh, speaking tours for at least the next uh, next uh, couple of years. Which is why we've been training Kenneth the Bear to punch people who are proud of their exploits. That's his new thing. I thought it was so he, clawing. No, he punches. You didn't see? You were the one who did the backhand thing that so he wouldn't scratch people. We have a mannequin with a black hat that we've uh, been teaching him to maul. (laughs) 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 Thanks, everyone, for listening. We realized we covered some pretty difficult subject matter today, but we think it's quite important. Along with this episode on the website, we're going to put some uh, resources for folks if they're going through something similar. And um, if you are experiencing a similar situation, uh, please don't hesitate to reach out. There are resources out there for you. And if you have a story that's similar to this and you feel like no one wants to hear it, you're wrong. Um, We would be glad to talk to you. And you don't have to be a guest on the show. You can get in touch through our email on adamlevin.com or Loudtree Media and just ask us for help. We're, We're here. Or you can be on the show. But really, honestly, if you ask, we will answer. What the Hack with Adam Levin is a production of Loud Tree Media. It's produced by Andrew Stephen, the man with two first names. You can find us online at loudtreemedia.com and on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Adam K. Levin.